welcome to Your Financial Planet podcast with David Valliere and the Synergy Capital Solutions team. This is the show that brings you synergistic financial strategies to help you enjoy the fullness of today and empower your next generation. Join us for this journey to help you synergize your finances. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Your Financial Planet. I'm David Valliere, and today is April 8th. We're talking about the ongoing impact to the coronavirus and how we can plan for what's ahead. In recent episodes, we've talked about market volatility, as well as the recent government stimulus. Uh, today, we're joined by Dr. Jeff Allen to talk to us about the impacts of social distancing, uh, how the virus is impacting our medical community, as well as his personal experience of living through COVID-19. Um, so as we go through this episode, uh, we apologize for any potential coughing in the background. Uh, Jeff is in recovery as we speak. Tell you a little bit about Dr. Allen. He's actually one of the most brilliant men I've ever met. He's a graduate of the Air Force Academy, a medical physician, entrepreneur. He's got a master's in hospital administration, and he's a certified financial planner. So before we dive into the conversation today, let's, uh, let's get to know Jeff a little bit better. Dr. Allen, thanks for joining us today. And good morning. Uh, yeah, as David said, my name's Jeff Allen. I um, trained in uh, internal and emergency medicine, practiced emergency medicine for uh, about 30 years, was board certified in emergency medicine for 30 years. Had At the end of my career, had a um, had multiple uh, urgent care centers, sold them to a large company who wanted me to manage their 70 uh, centers up and down the East Coast with another position. In order to do that, I convinced them that they should send me to go get a master's in medical management through the American College of Emergency Physicians, which uh, gave me a background in practice management, uh, worked for them for another three and a half years and taught their uh, 70 centers how to run their practices as a business. I'd always been interested in the business side of medicine. Relocated to Florida after uh, retiring from emergency medicine in Vermont uh, due to a severe illness in my wife's family and uh, started practice management down here. It quickly became clear that most physicians really needed help financial management and how to make financial decisions. So then I went on to get a, a certified financial planner designation and have been working as a financial planner for the last 15 years, primarily with physicians, but with uh, non-physician professionals also. And uh, have found it most rewarding. I always, uh, I was actually an economics major in college uh, for uh, most of my time there, and and always was kind of a a math nerd. And find this combination of uh, skills has been very useful. Plus, most importantly, having practiced medicine for uh, 32 years, I can certainly uh, identify with the issues that uh, my physician clients face and uh, can. Uh, walk the walk and talk the talk. So it's been a yeah. great experience for me and I've enjoyed it greatly. So I want to talk a little bit, uh, if you don't mind, uh, I know you're still in recovery, uh, but can you tell us a little bit about your experience with COVID-19? Ah, yes, happily, uh, now that I'm recovering. Uh, my wife and I were on a special birthday trip for her to St. Anton, Austria, the week of March 6th through the 13th. We uh, started to get a little concerned when we went. There were very few cases in Austria or Switzerland. We were going on to Switzerland for a second week with the Naples Ski Club, but it quickly became clear things were accelerating in Europe as they started to in the United States. We had planned to return earlier. We were going to cut the trip short by a week, but 
things started to turn in St. Anton that week. We were there on uh, Wednesday, a bar that we'd uh, bar restaurant we'd been at the day before was closed down because most of the staff was positive for coronavirus. On Wednesday, also our uh, hostess, um, whom we ate lunch and dinner with every day and their husband uh, both started to get sick. Didn't find out until that following Sunday that they were positive when we were back in the state that they were positive for coronavirus. But we decided it was time to return to the state. So we uh, cut short our plans. We were evacuated from St. Anton, actually. On that Friday evening, we weren't scheduled to leave till Saturday morning. But all of a sudden, at four o'clock that afternoon, we learned they were uh, quarantining the town, closing all the hotels and restaurants, closing the ski areas. So we were evacuated on buses that evening, going through two police roadblocks <laughs> to uh, convince them we should really be allowed out of town. And we're happy to arrive in Zurich. And then uh, two days later, we were able to get a flight due to multiple changes due to the uh, flight uh, blockade that was just going into effect from Europe. And so flights were being canceled and that sort of thing. But finally did get home to great relief on Sunday. And of course, on Monday, got sick with fever, uh, headache, muscle aches, uh, cough, uh, flu-like illness that lasted for the next 12 days, the sickest I've ever been. Uh, we weren't able to get testing initially, and our physician had said only if we were going to be hospitalized would it change the course of anything anyway, so we weren't tested until uh, two weeks into the illness, and uh, I was still positive for the coronavirus then. Very happy to say that uh, feeling much better. I can I have great empathy for the folks that have had this illness, especially the severe respiratory component. Uh, mm-hmm. Very grateful that that never affected us, but... Uh, even without the severe respiratory component, I can tell you it's a very significant illness. And uh, still three and a half weeks later, still without much energy, but uh, gradually recovering and grateful to say so. Yeah, well, we're we're grateful <laughs> that you are as well. I know this has been a super challenging time. We've been concerned for you. So really glad that you're coming out of this. And thanks for sharing that. So talk to us a little bit about uh, the importance of social distancing. I know we hear it a lot on TV, but... Um, can you talk to us, tell us a little bit about what is the impact of social distancing? What are the benefits? Talk us through that. Well, as we've all heard by watching various briefings on TV, the uh, the goal of social distancing is to flatten out the curve, to reduce uh, exposures of people. One of the major problems with this illness has been the fact that up to 25% of people are asymptomatic carriers because testing large numbers of people has been uh, somewhat difficult because of the priority of testing those who are seriously clinically ill, we don't have a great handle on how many asymptomatic carriers are among us, but we know statistically from where testing has been done frequently that uh, that number may be as great as 25% of people are asymptomatic carriers. Um, Because of the variable uh, reaction to this disease, uh, it's uh, a major concern that uh, large numbers of people don't uh, receive the disease because it appears about 20% of people, up to 20% of people get the serious respiratory uh, component of the disease and which mm-hmm. may end up in hospitalization, eventual uh, intubation and ventilation. It appears, unfortunately, it's now starting to look like in various places, uh, like states in the Northeast and in California and the state of Washington, it appears that social distancing is flattening the curve, reducing the amount of disease uh, among the population. Hopefully that's true. Hopefully we'll move forward from here that the fact that social distancing has been implemented in most of the United States and see a, a reduction in potential disease and a reduction in the uh, deaths resulting. 
And I know you work in large part with business owners and medical professionals from your perspective, how uh, the virus is impacting our medical community. Well, it's been very interesting that uh, the severe impact that this illness has had on medicine. Clearly, we hear every day on TV about how busy people in emergency medicine, my former uh, field of work, are and, and have tremendous amount of empathy for the the burden that those people are facing, the amount of illness that they're seeing, and the challenges to them. But people in most of the other fields of medicine, which uh, are run on elective procedures, et cetera, that uh, those people have al- almost certainly been uh, completely shut down. And so one of the tenants that one of the most important things we stress to our our clients is that they always have an emergency fund. Uh, generally, our advice is six to 12 months of expenses. For those working 12 to 18 months, for those not working, this is for unexpected surprises. Well, this has certainly turned out to be an unexpected surprise and reduction in physician incomes because most physician offices I know are actually not open or are using telemedicine and, and the income for those physicians has been drastically reduced. So we're uh, very happy that many of our clients have actually implemented a uh, emergency fund to, for, for such an unexpected event. You know, I, I used to have this uh, hockey coach, he, he'd say, there's no substitute for experience. And, you know, as I think about your rich background and you've, you've got this great experience, not only as a medical physician, but as a business owner and an entrepreneur, I'm curious to, and, and thank you for mentioning that about at what we would call a rainy day fund or an emergency fund. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about how you're leveraging this experience to help uh, others today. Yes, fortunately, having been through this, having been a small business owner uh, with urgent care centers uh, following the days of the emergency room, it's been a useful experience to have had unexpected challenges in business, never any as great as this. We also, one of the next components of our planning always is to stress to people that a budget and a spending plan is important. That's again, uh, now an event such as this is uh, shown how important that can be that people really have an idea what they're spending, especially when there's a, all of a sudden a drastic reduction in their income. Fortunately, those people have that aforementioned emergency fund to re- reduce that. But it is important that a budget and a spending plan so that people actually know what they're spending and what their monthly uh, needs are so that that can be met. We also, fortunately, in our planning have always, uh, in our clients, we always have had a uh, a component of the portfolio that would be available uh, for emergency spending, uh, cash and bonds, so that we don't have to liquidate any uh, equity positions during a down market like we've had. And so that's also been a very useful uh, planning principle to always have in the um, accounts uh, portfolios for folks that have component of cash and fixed income so that we can sell those positions to meet cash flow needs if, if necessary, uh, depending on budget and spending, rather than ever to liquidate uh, equities during a down market. And sometimes I think it's helpful just to kind of go back and and maybe refresh what you just said, Um, because not everybody understands fixed income, equities, and some people do, but not all of our listeners do. What I heard you say is we want to have like a rainy day fund or an emergency fund of cash somewhere between six and 18 months, depending upon stage of life. And then when you talk about fixed income, you're talking about uh, bonds, correct? 
Correct. So, uh, you know, our clients, most of our clients have that rainy day fund of uh, uh, liquid cash. And then the next component after that, uh, should this extend longer than feared, in all of our clients in the portfolio, there's a, a component of fixed income, which fortunately recently has been in fairly short term uh, bonds and, and primarily in government bonds uh, due to the safety and security of those instruments. Fortunately, bonds have uh, not been anywhere near as adversely affected as uh, equities have been. And so those tend to be the stabilizer, the keel or the rudder uh, to keep the uh, the ship going in the same course and they keep the uh, portfolio on course. And so and most of our clients have uh, eight to 10 years worth of some of our clients, of course, are already taking required minimum distributions. Fortunately, that requirement's been waived for this current year. But to meet those needs, many of our clients have as many as 10 years worth of required minimum distributions on their retirement accounts that are in bond investments. So those can, and those are usually in a bond ladder that are maturing in one, two, three, four, and five years. So those can be liquidated as time goes on to meet those cash flow needs without then ever having to dip into the equities and sell those in a down market. Yeah, so cash available and then bonds that are coming due and providing more cash uh, on a timely fashion. Absolutely. Okay, great, thanks. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, for the medical professionals and, and for your own life experience, beyond cash flow management, how is financial planning helping you work with others you know, are you getting involved with estate planning? What? How deep does your planning process go? Well, that's another important thing um, we've always stressed with our clients is that a, the next component after the first two we've talked about is that we need to make sure that there's a uh, up-to-date estate plan with uh, and with positions, of course, with asset protection because of the risk of the, to their assets. And so, but as this epidemic has shown with all of the unexpected and untimely deaths, a current estate plan is crucially important. Some legislation that occurred in December, um, you know, there were some, some changes in the IRA beneficiary uh, choices because of the loss of the uh, stretch IRA that we've all been used to for many years. And so it's a good time to review estate plans if in force and certainly if an estate plan has not been completed which it's uh, you know, one of those things people tend to avoid in life because it's an unpleasant thought to think of your own death but it's this is this has shown that uh, unexpected illness and death even can affect people especially those in the healthcare professions because as of course we all know we're seeing people that are exposed to these patients in the medical profession getting the illness themselves and some of them unfortunately uh, passing away. So it's important to have a, a updated and current uh, estate plan with asset protection components, which has always been a, a, a very important component of our uh, financial planning process. So j- jumping back to what we're, what we're experiencing with coronavirus, um, you know, myself in, included in this statement, but not only social distancing, but self-quarantining, what would you, what advice do you have for those of us that are self-quarantined and getting a little stir crazy. Any thoughts there? <laughs> well, yeah, it has been a time of almost always wanted all that extra time to read the book. We hadn't rather catch up on TV shows. We decided a day or two was probably enough. And then we want to get back to action. But it's, uh, 
for the social good and for the for the health of humanity that we just need to find ways to socially distance. The other thing, uh, of course, that there's been a lot of discussion about masks, and in the last week, it's uh, the recommendations uh, from Dr. Fauci, and Dr. Birch, and others involved in the coronavirus uh, group is that uh, people ought to be using masks more readily. This issue of the 25% of asymptomatic carriers, potential that many, suggests on those trips to the grocery store and wherever there you can't avoid other people than a, a mask of some sort uh, is going to be of some uh, help. It, it isn't an excuse to stop social distancing, but it's still uh, studies have shown that it may be that people expelling virus with either a cough or a sneeze, they may be sending it as many as 26 feet away. So the six foot social distancing may not be enough. And so the recommendation to uh, when you must go out to go to get groceries or whatever else that a mask also may be a benefit during the active stages of the disease currently. We've all looked at these models, right, where we see the peak of coronavirus hitting the nation here this week, next week, and then starting to tear down. I'm curious, as as I look at that model, I w- the tail on that, the back tail on that doesn't really start to come all the way down until June. Uh, do you think this self-quarantine is going to be in place till June? Or do you think we'll be slowly starting to um, come out of quarantine here in the next couple of weeks? What are your thoughts? I think maybe in May, if we continue to see the decline that in parts of the country will start to, hopefully we'll then, we may by then have antibody testing available. Uh, there's just no way to predict right now because we're starting to see uh, other areas that had not had much uh, disease penetration as as New York and New Jersey seem to be maybe plateauing. We now start to see other areas of the country that are having uh, more disease, but the hope is that another month and into May, uh, we may start to see uh, some definite flattening of the curve. The question is, is there then going to be a, uh, that maybe we'll have a reduction of disease over summer and then as cold weather hits again in fall and the winter, that we start to see a recurrence. That's the big fear. Hope Many people hope that by then we have much more uh, available antibody testing, so we know who's been exposed, who is who were asymptomatic carriers, who have protection against uh, disease, so that maybe we can selectively at least uh, limit uh, social uh, distancing and getting people back to work. But uh, that'll certainly depend on uh, reducing incidence of disease, which we maybe are starting to see. Uh, and also the fact that they were able to identify who has had exposure. So a lot of unknowns yet uh, that hopefully we'll know over the next month as things further develop and we see better evidence of what's, uh, what the incidence is actually doing. This may be a very elementary question for you, but for myself and for other listeners, curious to see why the disease is, I'd say, scheduled to taper off in the summer? Is it heat related? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, that's the hope, but as of yet unproven that uh, many of these respiratory viruses uh, were much more susceptible to in cold weather, that warm weather seems to uh, decrease the frequency. That's always been the case with the the multiple um, influenza viruses. We don't know that's going to be true of coronavirus yet, but there is that hope that it will behave like other respiratory viruses. 
but we won't know that until we get into the warmer months and see what actually happens to the frequency and then again get into the colder months of fall and winter and see if there is a recurrence as we get to colder weather. That being the big concern is that they're still predicting it'll be at least, it'll probably be 12 to 18 months before we have a vaccine. The other unknown about this virus is will it undergo antigenic variation, which is what the influenza virus does, which is why we all have to get a different flu shot, a new flu shot over here, because the virus changes just enough that the old vaccine doesn't cover it, that there's a new uh, antigen profile. And so there are, there have been eight different coronavirus strains identified. So there is some concern that there may be antigenic variation going on and that we maybe see that this virus uh, changes itself. And so uh, that's still an unanswered question also as to uh, will that be a concern? But uh, hopefully there is a, a warm weather related decline in disease. Hopefully there isn't a cold weather related uh, increase in disease. Right. But those are kind of speculation what people think will happen. Yeah, so a lot to cover down the road. And and we'd love to have you back and talk some more about this in the future as we move along here. Um, so for listeners that want to reach out to you directly, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, great question. That can be reached through hello at synergycapitalsolutions.com or just at synergycapitalsolutions.com. And that'll get to me. Great. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today at Your Financial Planet. For future episodes, please press the subscribe button. Uh, to share this or other episodes, simply press share. Uh, once again, I'm David Valliere, and this has been Your Financial Planet. Look forward to connecting with you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Planet, the Synergizer Capital Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Synergy Capital Solutions is a financial planning and investment management firm registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk. And there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Synergy Capital Solutions and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of Synergy Capital Solutions and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. <laughs>